curls are back, and Tony's got them. Curls? Yes, uh, that's a that's an old commercial. It was a jingle. Curls are back, and Tony's got them. You can get them any way you want them. Hoopty doop curls. Yada yada yada. It goes on. You could find it yourself on a video platform near you. What's the? Who's who's Tony? Tony was the maker of a product uh, to curl your hair. Oh, okay. You, you bought in a box at at the pharmacy. Tony's got it. Yeah. The curls. All right. Yeah. Nice. Not gonna well, lie. Speaking of lovely curls, hair. We're talking about bodies today, right? Talking about bodies. Nice. Huh. How's it well, going? I mean, yeah. You know, we say that, but then sometimes one of them, it's not really about the body at all, but the word Loose. made you think it was. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I think they're all pretty bodily. Yeah, I think. <laughs> Who's excited to go first this week? I'm jumping. Are you? My okay. No, moderately. You know, moderately. Sure. No, moderately. Falling <laughs> all over yourself. Yeah. You ever be listening to the radio and then someone comes on and says, well, this next story is kind of... <laughs> yeah, you might so want there's viewer discretion advised. Yeah, yeah, all that kind of thing. Sure. So, I mean, this isn't like that at all, but if if you're really... I don't know what. I don't, I don't know. You know. Just stick around and listen. Yeah, learn. Yeah. I'm already... My interest has been piqued. No, it's only that it's just funny to me, and I don't think... I cannot laugh. Oh, well then, you know, I won't be able to not laugh. It's one of those ones where I don't say it, and nor do I really hear it. But you also, you know, we've come to recognize there's, you know, there's other parts of the country, other parts of the world where people embrace different idioms sure. or different versions of the idioms. Yeah. Yeah. Different phrases. Yeah. Same thing. So th- th- this is slightly one of those finger in every pie. Finger in every pie. Yeah. All right. Finger in every pie. Yeah. A bee involved in a large and varied number of activities or enterprises. There it is. Be involved in everything that happens. Jane likes to have a finger in every pie. That was like use it in a sentence. Sure. She's out hobnobbing, perhaps. Perhaps with many different groups of of hobbobbery yeah to be involved in numerous activities usually in this usually in the sense of meddling okay yeah meddling Uh well that implies something does it do you feel meddling has a has a negative connotation or just as general like interfering but not in any sort of specific way um i mean mine is tainted as many of us by the scooby-doo uh, right, those meddling kids. Yeah. Darn it. I mean, they chose that word. Had they not, I wouldn't be tainted. I hear you. I hear you. But like love, yeah. I am. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. A lot of things can be blamed on Scooby-Doo. Oh, yeah. First, <laughs> uh, out, right out of the gate, I don't like the word yank. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Right out of the gate. I'm going to give you some reference points that are shockingly relevant as we move forward. Paraval's History of This Iron Age Hmm. by Bartholomew Harris, 1601. Mm -hmm. I bring you this from 1601, and Mm -hmm. that is in the year of our what? 
Shakespeare. Yeah, it's in the year right, of our Shakespeare. Settle right in the middle of Shakespeare, right? Yeah. Yeah. And from that little production comes Lucasia must needs, forsooth, have her finger in every ply. <laughs> it's because it's got the Y yeah. in there, you know? Yeah. Um, forsooth, you know, we say it because it's in all these weird quotes from, from times yonder. Yeah. I realized, uh, consarnate, I'd better look that up. <laughs> to express surprise or indignation. Yeah. Yeah. They used that a lot. You know, it comes up in quotes, and, and I usually just gloss over it. Yeah, that's those crazy uh, medieval talkers. Just exclaiming. Yeah, but uh, that's what that is. Mm-hmm. M- more relevant yet, perhaps, uh, Shakespeare... Henry the Eighth. The devil speed him. No man's pie is freed from this ambitious finger. Oh, okay. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also nice. Adds the ambitious in there. Hence the ambitious in felt, there. Feel, felt, feels medley. So here came a number of stories that when you went digging, I was a little surprised by this and in a joyful way. So... Henry VIII plays kind of a as big of a role. It's funny, Shakespeare and Henry VIII in the end are are quite likely responsible for for this coming about as mm-hmm. an idiom. Okay, but the story of it is uh, uh, riveting. <laughs> Sweet, <laughs> yeah. So, are you aware of this fellow, Thomas Horner? Old Tommy Horner. Tom I, Thomas Horner. He he so this fellow right. it's it's even more odd to me, you know, because you're never surprised about politics, power, money, and what what goes on behind closed doors. But there seemed to be so much of it just right out in broad daylight and at all times throughout history. You thought at some point someone would have the self-respect to at least hide it yeah keep your secrets clandestine yeah but as it turns out no so i guess henry the eighth had this thing where he took a bunch of land from the catholic church and distributed it to his supporters Mm -hmm. because he was like well you guys aren't going to give me taxes i'm just going to take some of this this land and use it to bribe my way into more power yeah and it seemed easy enough well this fellow thomas horner was quite the facilitator because he snagged it turns out 12 deeds of um properties and the story goes ray yeah the story goes that he delivered it to the king at christmas time and he did so in quite an unusual vehicle <laughs> in that he put them. Yes. Are you going to guess? Uh, I mean, I'm going to guess in a pie. In a pie. In a pie. You know this story. In a pie. I don't. I'm just following where, where you're leading me. <laughs> <laughs> he put them. Yes. Ray in a pie. In a pie. And uh, the king was quite pleased. Oh. About this. But. The one thing that old Tommy Boy did, Mm -hmm. uh, apparently, was to tip himself, lest the king forget 
So he took a deed. Oh my. Uh, from one of the properties yeah. for his very own. Okay. Now I can't, I have to say this because in four books, count them up. One, two, three, four. There are episodes of the Horner family protesting this version of the story mm -hmm. and insisting that uh, their ancestor purchased this property legally and it's not impossible. Okay. Seems unlikely based on the circumstances surrounding the other 11 deeds, but it's possible. So it seems like he stole it. Yeah. And wasn't given it. I see. Well, it's not so much that. He, oh, okay. He was in control of land yeah. for the king, so he took them from the church. Now, he was supposed to give all 12 of them to the king. The king knew he kept one and didn't care. Yeah. Oh, he's like, yeah, whatever. The family insists that Thomas bought it and he never stole anything from the church, but I mean, uh, this like is, the, that's a family. What are you going to do? Yeah. It's like he stole it per yeah. se. No, yeah. But go ahead. Sorry. I'm just saying. <laughs> yes. He, let's say he stole it from the king. Yeah, right. Which right? you should do that. Sure. Well, um, I would have. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, if you 12. knew, I mean, what's he going to do? So... <laughs> Well, he probably cut your well, head off. They probably but, kill you, but, uh, you know. But he wants 12 more deeds next Christmas, so yeah, why, right. why? Come on. You know, come on. There's enough the, for everybody. Yeah, so the guy, so Thomas takes this. Thomas Horner. Yeah. And so that's that's a familiar last name to you. Why? Uh, nursery rhymes. The nursery rhyme. Little Jack Horner right. is representative of Thomas Horner. I and see. he sat in the corner eating a Christmas pie. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Then he puts his thumb in this pie. So far, so good. And he pulls a plum out of this pie. Yeah. And exclaims how great he is. Yeah. So the the plum is representative of, of the deed that he kept for himself. Yeah. And said, I deserve that because I gave the king 11 other deeds. So... I'm taking that. And that that was, uh, again, here, what is presumed to be yeah. the metaphor of that little nursery rhyme. Really? Yeah. So he does this. It creates some sort of news. Yeah, people all know. And then people start, ch children start chanting. Well, these, someone writes it. Or someone writes it down, you think, and then later it becomes a nursery rhyme? No, someone writes it as a nursery rhyme as, as a sort of... Like a um, satire. Yeah. Uh, now I'm on the trolley. I mean, but as we know, they they used they used to plant lots of good juicy darkness in nursery rhymes. Oh, sure. And and so this this was not an unfamiliar technique. Yeah, I'm just trying to picture the, like the whole scene. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I liked it quite a bit. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I started out with Jack Horner, but I ended up with Bo Peep nursery. But rhyme. you could do them both, right? Uh, I could get you the pie thing, and then I also get that 12 and 20 blackbirds mixed in with the pie. So I was like, does he pull out a blackbird? I know he pulls something out of the pie. Yeah, they were all running simultaneously. <laughs> so, and there's a good reason for that. Uh, little Jack Horner sat in the corner eating a Christmas pie. <laughs> I'm he off one. Sorry, go ahead. He put in his thumb and pulled out a plum mm -hmm. and said, what a good, good boy, boy am I. Yeah, yeah, right. That's that one. That's that one, yeah. Mm -hmm. 
I, I was going, he's, he sat, whatever. And then it went to the Kurds and Way. When, after he sat down, yeah, they, he was now on the hillside. You could do a mashup of yeah. nursery rhymes there. Yeah. I was like, well, this isn't right. <laughs> so going back now to where we started, uh, the Shakespeare from Henry VIII play, The Devil Speed Him, No Man's Pie is Freed from This Ambitious Finger. Mm-hmm. However, that is a permutation. Well, I use that word a lot. Yeah. Well. It's a variation precursor, mm-hmm. but not really. No? It's just a sister of, of the idiom. Uh, because this here, Bartholomew Harris, 1601, Paraval's history of this Iron Age, Lusatia must needs forsooth have her finger in every pie. Mm-hmm. Look, 1601. Yeah. And and that is attributed to being the originator of the idiom, though Shakespeare had formulated that variation on it earlier. Mm-hmm. The idea. Yeah, Bartholomew Harris carved it uh, in, into stone, wood, and uh, yeah. Parchment. Parchment. And that's the simple, quick story a finger in every pie, an idiom that I do not use, but others seem to. I'll have to keep my ear to the ground to see if I hear that one more often. Your ear to the ground. My ear to the say. ground. I'll have to keep my ear to the ground. Yeah. To to hear if I if I hear that. <laughs> yeah, that's what you said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's mine. Ear to the ground. Yeah, ear to the ground. To be on the alert. To seek out information. Bold to go where no man no. Yeah, I mean, that's one way to do it. Ear to the ground. Yeah. I've said this. Yeah, we do this, yeah. We do this, we say that. I'll keep my ear to the ground about that. I feel like it has a positive, or it has like no connotation. It's just like a, yeah, I'm going to listen up for that. I'll pay attention. Right, a friend might be asking you for a job reference, Mm -hmm. and you're like, yeah, I I know your specialties, and maybe I'll hear about a job. I'll keep my ear to the ground. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I would say generally, at least according to my indoctrination in the public schools here that they will attribute this and it seems erroneously i will say to uh the native american folk here they said they practiced uh putting an ear to the ground to detect the vibrations of sounds in the distance before they can actually be heard out in the open air there's a french author and diplomat francois rene de chateaubriand uh 1827 quotes he he mentioned them specifically as Indians in his quote, as we know, they are not Indians, they are Native Americans, um, but saying that they will clap their ears to the ground and judge by murmurs inaudible to a European ear at what distance the enemy is. Um, that was 1827. We can go back even earlier in time to 1803, which sort of removes that, you know, Native Americans were the first or whatever people to do these things. Yeah. We're in uh, Sussex. Uh, in in England, which is in southern England. Uh, Just a quote, Times of London, talking about basically sending out marksmen or soldiers to kind of protect land, and they're saying in this longer quote, at night, should the sentinel be doubtful of anyone's approach, let him put his ear to the ground, and you'll hear some footsteps perhaps. Uh, And we can go back even to 1773. There's earlier quotes. So we're kind of blowing that, what, what I learned in school, out of the water. Right. Uh, the first sort of figurative use 
seems to happen around 1815 in an advertisement uh, published in what's the, the Connecticut Corrent? Corrent? Yeah, I subscribe to that now. The Connecticut Corrent? Yeah. yeah. And a going from the small sum of $5. Going, 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 bid quick, or it's gone. But few more tickets can be sold at prime cost. Remember the 21st November. On that day, the wheels will be put in motion. You may put your ears to the ground, and you will hear the great sounds of the eagles and dollars roar like the ocean. Hmm. Yes. Um, that's, a, that's a lot. That's 1815s. This is kind of the first figurative use, like I said. And then uh, 1835, we get some more political uses of, you know, people keeping some things to the ground. But, but Jay, why, why would one put their ear to the ground? I mean, it seems like these folks are, are using it pretty, pretty literally, right? Yeah, I, I think the, the Native American one was uh, made it seem really crystal clear. You, if there was even some horses running a mile away, you, you might feel that or, or hear some low frequencies. You're going to hear some stuff. Mm -hmm. And that's uh, due to sound. Sound waves, if you will. Yeah, what yeah. just comes to my mind and my heart now is sound. We're touching each other. We're embracing each other. We're loving each other. We're helping each other with sound. The right kind of sound is the greatest magic in the world and it's given to us freely, freely, for all of us to share. What more do you want? Which is cool. Sound uh, is a wave that requires a medium through which to travel, if you will. Um, and sound waves are uh, longitudinal waves. So the, the wave moves in a back and forth motion. The wave's back and forth motion kind of happens in the same direction as the wave is traveling versus like a ripple wave, which happens perpendicular to the way it's traveling. Perpendicular? Yeah, the, the ripple waves kind of come up across their medium. But sound waves travel through their medium. Like if you take a slinky and if you sh if you like l shake the slinky up and down, that is like an ocean wave, right? You see it wobbling up and down and up and down. But if you stretch that slinky and you sort of sh like push one side to the other side, if it's stretched pretty, you know, so it's not saggy, that's a longitudinal wave. It passes through the slinky as you push it. Is oh, that, I, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, you got me? Yeah, well, I mean, the ripple wave is sort of an amplitudinal. It's a sine wave Yeah. in the way that we would talk about it, yeah. Right. And as, right, so you would, it's, if you lift your hand up and down on your left hand, you're creating a sine wave versus a, a tight slinky that you sort of push, just yeah. a little bit of a push, but and it, it sends that push right. equally through the slinky. Yes. And it doesn't wobble the slinky. It more sends it through the slinky, huh. Huh. right? Yeah, I think it's it was while it may have annoyed some, it was good to get you to explain it. Yeah, a couple so that you know, totally, we're all on board. Yeah, I want to make sure that that's that's clear because that's important to what we're talking about. So yeah, these the the slinky that I'm using as an analogy is essentially particles, as we say, as I say, we're particles in a void, as as people say, dust in the wind. Mm. <laughs> um, so sound waves require a medium through which to travel and in their sort of travel they create not only sound waves but they create pressure waves because of the way the compression goes through it creates low and high pressure you know as the wave travels through as it kind of it, i don't want to say ripple but it kind of carries itself through you know yeah um the speed of sound in perfect 
conditions, um, optimal conditions, I'll say, is around 332 meters per second, which is close to 1,100 feet per second. Um, and like I said, in optimal conditions, because, you know, if it's warmer or colder, that affects how sound travels because it needs a medium. And uh, heat and cold change the natures of the medium, which sound travels. Uh, the cool thing is the sound travels faster in mediums which are closer together, more tightly bound. You can hear things underwater farther away than you can hear things on land because it's a, a medium through which it travels that's a little thicker, a little stickier. The molecules are closer together. So saying that, tr uh, sound travels fastest through solid matter because the molecules in the solid are, are much, much closer together than in a liquid or a gas, as we know from some level of science class. I don't remember when we learned that. I saw that sound waves actually travel 17 times faster through steel than they do through our atmosphere. Through steel? Steel, yeah. Um, sound, it's interesting because it is, like I said, it's measured in powers. It's measured in pressure levels as well as amplitude and loudness, which is you know similar. We measure sound in bells, or as we do in our business for sure most people are familiar with a tenth of a bell or a decibel <laughs> right yeah and uh and sound is power so what i learned in my college acoustics class that was it was a great teacher uh a doubling of power is 3 db 10 times a power is 10 db and that's what we know is a bell one bell to the next bell zero bells to one bells is 10 times the power. Logarithmic. Logarithmic, exactly. Nice. Yeah. One bell to two bells, 10 times louder than one bell to two bells, but 100 times the power, I don't want to say louder, the power of zero bells. One, two trumpets are not as twice as loud as one trumpet. You need at least 10 trumpets to sound twice as loud as one trumpet. Yeah. Sound is cool. It moves uh, through things. Uh, the coolest, the the coolest thing I learned that relates to this almost eerily uh, is that elephants have they're able to communicate in infrasonics, which are below our human level of hearing, uh, which is about twenty hertz, twenty to twenty thousand hertz is our human like level. Yeah, it's not yeah. that high. It doesn't go no, that high yeah. or that low. For sure. Right. I mean, whatever. No, yeah. B best case scenario. No, yeah. Uh, so infrasonics. So they can talk to each other uh, at lower frequencies than we can hear or perceive. And seemingly from like kilometers away from each other. Because also low frequency waves can travel pretty much unimpeded. I mean, it sounds like these ones could obviously travel pretty, pretty freaking un unimpeded <laughs> for kilometers. That's not even the cool thing. Uh, elephants have evolved these nerve endings in their feet, which allows them to detect, uh, feel, hear pressure waves through the ground. Yeah, like a like a bird looking for worms. Yeah, they can. I mean, they also have these bits in their trunk. I learned, but I think I knew that. But the, the feet I was like, wait, what? So the, there's a Stanford study that kind of recorded wild elephant sounds, warnings, greetings, you know, f sounds of elephants would make. And they went elsewhere to play these sounds they recorded for other elephants via what they said underground seismic waves. 
uh, and that they did get reactions whenever they played different calls. Warning calls made some animals become agitated, and they could like actually sense these things through the toenail. It says seismic waves could be could travel th- from their toenails to the ear via bone conduction, which I thought was really cool. It is. So putting your ear to the ground is a literal thing you can literally do to literally hear things farther away than you can hear just out in the uh, in the gaseous atmosphere that we have out here. Or if you're an elephant, you just keep your foot to keep the ground. Keep your foot to the ground, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. that'd be hard for an elephant to get their head down there and get that ear flap, flap up. Flap, so just like perfectly flapped. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to need help. Somebody spread that flap out. Can you help me? It folded over again. Well, that's, so it's, yeah. Yeah. Sound and vibrations. It's cool stuff. I mean, honestly, the, the physics of our universe is fascinating. Like, when you think about how sound works, you're like, what? It, like, speakers and diaphragms, they vibrate a thing in the air, and the air then moves that wave towards you. It doesn't spread out. It moves a wave toward you. Toward you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it spreads out, but I mean, it's just like it's pushing it at your face. <laughs> I don't know. It's cool to to think of particles. and I don't know. Like, in space, no one can hear you scream because there's no medium for which sound to travel so so you kill a guy in space even if someone's around to hear it yeah they won't they can't go ahead scream buddy can't mm. yeah no one's hearing you <laughs> <laughs> all right on that note yeah let's surrender to uh these sounds Allswell believes in the power of a good night's sleep for all Their products feature innovative technology and unbelievable comfort and support without deflating your wallet. Combining the best of both worlds, the Allswell features hybrid mattress technology with memory foam and individually wrapped coils. For a winning blend of comfort and support, follow the link in the show notes for financing as low as 0%, a 100-night risk-free trial, free shipping and returns, and a 10-year limited warranty. Designed to make good sleep accessible to all. Real luxury, unreal prices. Allswellhome.com. Whole Nine Yards is sponsored by Big Science Music. Big Science Music is a can and one show award winning original music and sound boutique, providing scoring, sound design, radio, podcast, and audio post production services for the advertising, film, and video industries. Big Science Music also offers ADR, casting, and project management. Big Science Music's reels, full capabilities, and more can be found at bigsciencemusic.com. That's bigsciencemusic.com. All right, then. I mm-hmm. seem to feel, mm-hmm. after my workout, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I might soon be... Fit as a fiddle. Fit, fit as, as a, a fiddle. Nice. <laughs> fit as a fiddle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, so I don't say this either. I have never said this. I mean, but I, I, mean, I, I, he- I do hear it. People still do use it. Yeah, for sure. It's just a little corny for me. It feels... Yeah. Although, not that I, I don't say corny things. Always. Sure. I'll give you a little here up front. Uh, fiddle etymology i like to call fiddlemology fiddlemology so uh, old german from fidel it seems like it was always you know a little hollow four-stringed instrument unfretted played with a bow so 
Okay. All the way from 14th century. Oh. This was this. All right. This is this. <laughs> this is this. Yeah. Little, um, you know, Bobby D. So, okay. To fiddle with something is to play a four-stringed instrument with something. Well, right. I mean, we eventually get there. We eventually get there. Wow. Okay. Did I spoil stuff? I'm sorry. No, not no, no, nice. not my charge. Because to fiddle with something, right, we, we can uh, always cover. Yeah. At another time, fit is a fiddle, and right. bodies is my charge. <laughs> no, sure. <laughs> ha! <laughs> Keeping it on track. Good job. So there's an odd little dichotomy that evolved in my uh, in my digging, and it was really never resolved. It's uh, but it's again one of those things that I encounter sometimes. Oftentimes, that's a word, that an idiom might lead to a bit of this or a bit of that or a bit of mm -hmm. hmm, just a little tiny touch of something that is not even off color, just a little, hmm. Mm -hmm. Etymologists and, and people just turn a blind eye to it. And yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like we're in, in Puritan New England that's or like, something. Yeah. Yeah, just look at it. Yeah. Would you just look at it? So this is this seems to be a little bit one of those. Anyway, fit did certainly uh, and still does. So if I say to you, mean this, fit, apt for a particular use, suitable, is this a good fit? Mm -hmm. uh, now you could take that as a you know a square peg in a square hole. So you would say, yeah, this is a good fit. Mm -hmm. But also, is it apt for the job at hand? Well, if the job at hand is putting something square in that square hole, yeah, I say yes. Very suited. Right. But back in the day, uh, there's protestation that fit didn't mean, as we say it today, are you fit or do you feel unfit? Mm -hmm. uh, meaning phys physicality, you know? Not able, okay, not aptitude, right? Right. Gotcha. So that that comes up plenty that back then it, it didn't mean physicality it only meant suitable apt mm -hmm. but almost doesn't seem true and i'll get to that mm -hmm. there were some goofy ones that came along and they came up a number of times the only reason i will give them any air time but their malarkey <laughs> uh, fit as a malleable m-a-l-l-e-e bull well, this, and I'm not sure I'm saying this right because it doesn't merit me giving it extra research time, but this <laughs> is an area in Australia and a Mali bull or Mali, I'm sorry, my people in Oceania, but uh, this is a bull from, and if you, if you okay. look up Mali bull, mm -hmm. just Google Mali bull, for example, all, right. all you'll get is fit as a molly bull but doesn't even get to the bull <laughs> it it's only exists within itself oh okay this one time someone said it yes uh, it, it yeah yeah so i'm not gonna honor that one i'll have a fosters if somebody buys me one another fit as a brown trout huh i've not heard that one and there's good reason. It's dumb, and nobody says it. So 
I don't know why. You're such a good swimmer. You're fit as a brown trout. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it makes no sense at all. But there, it kept kept coming up like right. somebody from the Brown Trout Society just. Hey guys, what if we? They <laughs> published it enough times, it comes up in your search. Um, it's not in any of the books. No one cares about it. It's not real. Yeah. Uh, but, but you might encounter it out there, and so I'm just warning you. So, there's that <laughs> stuff that did come up though, and that's the odd thing about the fiddle and the and the. Ooh, you got to remember, like, um, there was a time that was, you know, probably kind of nice in its way. Now, we didn't have penicillin and all the other stuff. <laughs> but it, you had a simple time when live music, somebody playing some music or a little play yeah. going on in, in the public square. Man, that was it. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you didn't have Netflix and all this. You just like, you saw a play that afternoon and that was, maybe you didn't, you know. Months later. Yeah. You see something Unless else. Unless you were Samuel Pepe. Right. You know, you keep going back. Right. But a, a regular folk, someone playing a fiddle, that was, man, that was all you could hope for. And you loved it. So the fiddle being likened to or used in many different metaphors. Mm-hmm. One that came up was to hang up one's fiddle. Okay. A fool can dance without a fiddle. Ah. Yeah, His I face agree. is made of a fiddle. Now, <laughs> now, now this goes back to uh, 17th century. Uh, and there again, I would say, you know, the fiddle was pretty and had you know had a romance to it so if you mm. if you wanted to liken it like uh oh, i see you know what i mean yeah like very ornate and very yeah i see mm. yeah yeah very beautiful and people were were enjoying their their fiddle time yeah so yeah fiddle. there there are tons of them they're they're all fairly obscure uh every fool is a fiddle to the company um hmm. they're you know but people used it, is what I'm driving at. Big fiddle craze. But I'll I'll liken you back about the business of fit meant apt and appropriate, not shape or what have you, you know? Mm-hmm. But here, the evolution sort of fights that a little bit. And we have it. It's well documented. So, I mean, I don't know how else to interpret it 1603 thomas decker in the bachelor's banquet writes then comes down mistress nurse as fine as a farthing fiddle in her petticoat and kirtle now Mm -hmm. he didn't say fit Mm -hmm. but fine as a farthing fiddle in her petticoat and kirtle and i always felt this so maybe i'm a little tainted but you have it look it's just the nature of um of what we are yeah and so you you know being a guitar player even from early on i recognized okay the guitar shape is kind of buxomly womanly like yeah. uh, even an acoustic you know mm-hmm. and that extends itself back into uh, the violin mm-hmm. or, or fiddle if you like 
1616 is where um, W. Houghton's Englishmen for My Money. I mean, there's so many things to read in so little time. Those great titles. Great yeah. titles. Yeah. This is excellent in faith, as fit as a fiddle. Now, this is the first one, and this is in faith. This is Y N F A Y T H. But it is the first use of it as is. Now, yeah. not pertaining to a person at all, but pertaining to an idea. But still, it encapsulates the the true use of the idiom that that still exists now and now of course we do use it more implicitly to mean or to refer to shape i think wouldn't you say yeah like in referring to a, a person for sure they're fit as a fiddle solely related to people's fitness <laughs> if you will <laughs> well yeah fit as a fiddle Fit as a fiddle. I just want to, you know, I just want to execute that idea across as best as I can, and that's what I feel like I've I've tried to attempt. Yeah. How How do you feel about that? I feel fit as a fiddle. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is also alliteration, right? You know, yeah. Fine as a farthing fiddle. <laughs> it's a bit much. It's a nice sketch. Mm-hmm. So what have you? Uh, I want to just thank you for, for hanging me out. be myself. For, for myself, yeah. For hanging out uh, and chewing the fat with me today. Oh. Here on the Whole Nine Yards podcast. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. Now. <laughs> Chew the fat to discuss a matter, especially complainingly, to reiterate an old grievance, to grumble, to argue, to talk or chat. To spin a yarn. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of different possibilities. Yeah, it really, I wanted to make sure I hit all the, uh, all the possibles. Well, you said possibilities, yeah. So, uh, you know, as you say, we're, we're now, now we're living in the 1500s. And we're, we're just doing the best we can. Every day, yeah. you know. Well, so sometimes we, we may have, uh, have guests over to the house. And 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 if we wanted to impress those guests, we we may bring out uh, some bacon, or some meat, and just to hang it up in the corner and show it off. Like, hey, look at this! <laughs> look at me! I can buy this meat uh, as a sign of wealth. A man could, and that that a man could really uh, bring home that bacon, you know. So sometimes they they would cut off just a little bit of that meat to share with the guests. Uh, and then everyone would sit around and just kind of chew the fat with each other with all your guests. They did not. Back in the 1500s. This is what they did. <laughs> no, no, this is, uh, this is a ruse. Oh, you're rusing I'm me. rusing you. This is from, from a ruse, a specifically targeted, not targeted ruse, but a, a ruse called Life in the 1500s, which was an email uh, in the 1999. And, and it's come up before, and we've had a chuckle at it in, in the past. Well, on this very show. Glad I have no recall. No, I also... Shuffle again. Yeah, it was like, wait, but no, I remember. Like, yeah. Taste it again for the first time. I can't remember which one I, I first referenced it in, but we, we had a chuckle, and I'm like, no, no, it's a fake. It's a fake. So it's not really super old, which I was kind of surprised. But like 1885's uh, J.B. Patterson, Life in the Ranks of the British Army in India and on board a troop ship. 
That's the title of the work. Mm-hmm. This phrase in the same 1885 um, is listed with another phrase called chew the rag. Mm. And they're apparently interchangeable. Well, the rag would take longer, you'd think. Sure, if you're, right, chewing for a reason beyond just like funsies or whatever, you know. Um, persisting to argue the point or chew the rag, as, as is termed in the rank-and-file phraseology, was some extra-intelligent non-commissioned officer. Then later on in the work, he says, the various diversions of whistling, singing, arguing the point, chewing the rag, or fat, just tosses the fat in there at the end, with chewing the rag. He said, the, bend, the bending of ears of junior officers as a way of staving off boredom. That was the end of that quote, sorry. You know, uh, chew the rag, chew the fat. Our, uh, our buddy Robert Hedrickson from the Encyclopedia of Word and Phrase Origins says to me that this expression uh, came about ways of our... our forefather uh, sailors as they are sailors working their jaws on the tough salt pork rationed and then when supplies ran constantly low they grumbled about their poor fare while literally chewing the fat mm. like uh, okay i mean I, I see that uh there's some other ideas that relate it to the inconsequential dialogue that you may be having and relaying it to how, how little nutrients you get from fat you know, you're chewing the fat, you're eating fat, you're not really getting anything. Uh, this conversation is mundane and pointless. Ah. So, you know, you're not really getting anything from it, which I like, but... But... You know, but we have, there's good fats, you know, we, there, we got trans fats, <laughs> we, got, we got the nut fats. Sure, yes. So, you know, uh, you get nutrients from fat. Yeah. <laughs> but not all. It's a, it's a thought. This, like, chew the rag, and this was what they say as complaining or grumbling, chew the rag. Some people say that it's like, oh, no, 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 the rag uh, was like a bag you put the tobacco in, and it, like, got tobacco in it, and then you would chew on Uh. it to get, like, a little bit out of it, you know, like the little extra Uh. after you used it all up. Uh. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) Um, Charles Earl Funk uh, from a work heavens to betsy yeah this has come up before <laughs> yeah we've, we've had charles earl funk on, on the show before right uh he says you know it's in sewing circles you got your rags or, or cloth in which you're 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 working on literally uh while while maybe your tongues were were clattering on other rags or perhaps the fat as in a, a choice morsel of gossip upon which they could feast really that's what Charles Earl Funk postulates to me. Mm. And this is all pre-1900s, obviously. So 1907, we're starting to see more more chew the fats around here. But it's sort of really, they both chew the rag and chew the fat come come down to the sense of just people engaged in, in kind of, you know, idle conversation and not really talking about anything real. Uh, they're only only working their jaws, if you will. If you were to chew a rag or to chew fat, you would just be working your jaw. So this is to say, when I, when you hear that, see, I would think chew the fat just it, it, it might have been constructive. I just meant we were talking and maybe I, talking I see it as over catching up or something. Totally right. If you're suggesting we're really saying nothing. We're, I mean, we're wasting our time. Maybe small talk. Maybe just dumb stuff. It seems to like have this early 
Inception idea of grievances, grumbles. You know, we're chewing the rag. We're grumbling about something. We're chewing the fat. We're not. We're not happy about it because it's not whatever we want to talk about. But I agree. I would just use it to mean talk or chat, just in general. Like, oh, let's let's chew the fat over this or whatever. I got you know. I would I wouldn't use it specifically to mean grumble or gripe about something. Yeah. Just more of like you said, catch up or go over a problem. Yes. Yeah. No. I. I think that's more common for sure. Um, I found a little fun fact that in ham radio, extended conversations just for fun, as a, I guess instead of just exchanging information, uh, is called rag chewing. Don't be a rag chewer. Mm. If you hear that on ham radio, you're you're wasting time. Huh? Rag chewing. Huh. <laughs> I I'm not gonna do that. No. Chew in the fat. Chew it up. <laughs> Hopefully that's not what we've done here. No, we haven't griped. We've certainly had conversations, though. We've talked or chatted. Yeah. Yeah. We chew the fat here every every week on the old whole nine yards farm. Uh, but hit us up. We can chew the fat. On uh, Instagram and tweets and Reddit. Whole nine yards pod. Whole nine yards pod, you say. Yeah. Is nine a number? Or do you spell it out like? No, no, no. Nine is a number. Nine's a number. <laughs> it is a number. Thanks. You got. And it. then Facebook message, even you could get us. You can do that. Whole. We we will keep our ear to the ground at Whole Nine Yards Podcast. Is that nine a number? That nine, I believe, is still a number. Yeah. I gotta check the files. Whole Nine Yards Podcast. Nine's a number. Yeah. <laughs> and we look forward to all communications. Yeah. Hopefully, pleasant ones. Yeah. Informative. Anyway, yeah. either way. Ooh, man, we got some nasty comments last week. Sometimes. It happens, you know. We, still, we don't stay on top of it all the time. <laughs> yeah. All right, then. Uh, so until next time, I'm Jay. And I'm Ray. And, we and we're not, not idiots. idiots. Whole Nine Yards is written, recorded, and produced by Big Science Pods. Learn more at whole9yards.org or contact Whole Nine Yards by emailing heyyou at whole9yards.org. That's hey you at whole9yards.org. Whole9yards theme music composed by Big Science Music.